The Lord gave me a message, but he already demonstrated it. (laughs) He already demonstrated it. So Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 through 15. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continue prospering until he became very prosperous. He continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. Just prosperity running over. Verse 14. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up. All the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. The title of today's message is it's time to reopen the wells. It's time to reopen the wells. You see, wells played a very vital role in the Bible. Many important Bible characters located their blessings besides or had something to do with a well. Amen. I mean, you can think of many examples of uh, Jesus and, and, and the woman from Samaria at the well. Moses met his wife at the well uh, and so on and so forth. There's many different examples of what happens at the well. So a well in the desert country of Palestine was a sign of wealth. It was also the sign of independence. Wells were dug by hand, and it took much time and much hard labor. In Abraham's day, the wells were dug through solid limestone by hand. So those who owned wells sold their water or bartered with those who used the well. Wells are most important to the herdsmen in Palestine. Without wells, the herds could not exist. Because of this, those who owned the wells generally became very important, wealthy men in the land. Those who owned wells could maintain larger flocks of sheep. Sheep were also a sign of wealth. And we're going somewhere. I said, I have to lay this foundation so we can get an understanding of the significance of the wells and what God is saying to the church in this season. Abraham was also very wealthy and he passed that wealth to Isaac. So wells are always a sign of life. Oases are planted around wells in the desert. Get that picture. Oases are planted around wells in the desert. These areas of green are always contrast to the desolate desert around them. Someone said desert. Desert. Look out the window. Desert. There's a need for wells to be reopened in this area. So as I was preparing this message, I wanted to spend time really talking about the wells in our lives, our sources of blessings, uh, through which the promises of God's flow. But, and I also wanted to talk uh, a little bit about God being our Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider and how all our needs have already been met and that we lack nothing. 
but 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 for some of us that would be a pointless message because some of us don't know where our wells are and for many of us our wells have been stopped up so like i said earlier the title of today's message is it's time to reopen the wells so back in genesis 26 12 through 15 in verse 15 we see that the Philistines had stopped up the wells that Abraham has dug. Abraham, if you will, is called the father of faith. Abraham represents God, the father. Isaac is called the son of promise. Isaac represents Jesus, the promised son. Jacob represents the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jacob's name means supplanter or the one who takes the place of another. Jesus stated, when the spirit of truth has come, he will testify of me. When the Holy Spirit came, he came to finish the work that Jesus began in our lives. The Holy Spirit is called the second comforter, according to John 14, 16. So you see, Isaac dwelt in the south country west of Kadesh. Again, just give me a little background. I have to lay this foundation out. Take notes, please. Isaac dwelt in the south country west of Kadesh by the well Laheroi, according to Genesis 25:11. The word Kadesh means a place of separation. A place of separation. The word Lahoroi means the well of the living, seeing one, or the well of the vision of life. So Isaac dwelt in that land, a land, a place of separation, next to the well of the living, seeing one, or the well of the vision of life. Isaac, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Seems like every time I get up here, my voice gets scratchy, but the devil's a liar. <clears throat> so you see, as we view the topology of the well of Lahoroi, it is easy to relate it to the word of God. See, the Bible is the vision of life. And those who have separated themselves unto the word and apply the word to their lives activate and demonstrate with power the word just like Jesus did when he became word in the flesh. Amen. So the word is the promised son. Jesus became the word. Jesus became the vision of life. Solomon wrote in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision. The people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. So where there is no vision, the people perish. Even those who are called by his name sometimes have no vision because they have not dwelt in the land of Kadesh next to the well of Leharoi. Amen? See, these people are not separated unto God's purpose for their lives. We spend a great deal of time in church, but not be in the church. We spend a great deal of time playing church, but not 
be in church. We spend a great deal of time trying to think of that scripture where we just have a form of godliness but no power therein and the lord is saying enough is enough see in amos amos 8 11 through 12 states talks about a famine that came upon the land it says and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of abraham and isaac went unto abimelech king of the philistines Unto Gerar, according to Genesis 26, 1, God brought a famine upon the land. The same famine is in the land today. See, the prophet Amos prophesied this famine. He says, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. There is a famine of the word in the land. There is a famine of the word in the in the land. And it's evident you see every day, every Sunday, people are leaving one church, going to another. People are chasing prophets, chasing ministries, trying to get a word because there's a famine of the word in the land. The well, Laharoi, in the place of separation, has dried up. Or better yet, it has been stopped up. There is no vision of life taught anymore, only the message of dying and going to heaven. Jesus stated that the overcoming message of life has gone out of the church system. Jesus, the word of God, came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, according to John 10.10. So Isaac went into the land of the Philistines unto Abimelech. Everyone following? The word Abimelech means my father is king. So Abimelech is a title, not a man's name. Abimelech was the king of those who are still wallowing around in their earthly, fleshly existence. This is a picture of the religious church system today who have made flesh their king. Those who have not separated themselves unto the vision of life. So you see, the Philistines represent the flesh. The flesh is always the enemy of God. The word Philistine means wallowing. The Philistines were those who are still wallowing in the dust of the earth or the flesh. They refuse to come to the vision of the water of life. Amen? Can I dig a little deeper? The Philistines had a chief god called Dagon. I don't have enough time to get into Dagon, so please spend some time studying that. But they also had five lords, and those five lords, if you go back to, uh, if you go to Joshua 13, 3, they are named in that passage of Scripture. They are the Gazatites, 
all these ites, Gazatites, the Ashatites, the Escalonites, the Gittites, and the Ekronites. So you probably, you probably saying, oh, good. What does that have to do with today? So each of these five lords are also symbolic and very prophetic to us today. You see, the Philistines were the most aggressive and suppressive nation against Israel. Now that would be the church, the believers, Christians, children of God, and the body of Christ. And it was the Philistines who really came up against the people of God as they journeyed towards the promised land. For those of you who have been uh, in in Bible study the last year or so, we talked about, we've been on this journey towards the promised land. And the Lord has taken us in interesting directions. At first, we were just like, you know, Joshua and the people of Israelites. We were ready to cross the sea and get to the promised land. So stop right there. Stop right there. Some things that we need to deal with before you can cross over. And we spent a great deal of time talking about our heart and the circumcision of our heart because out of the heart flows the issues of life. We also spent a lot of time talking about deliverance from some key things that are in our lives. And we're now talking about our identity because if we don't know who we are as a people of God, we don't know what we go with, what we bring into the promised land to conquer the Philistines. But let me go back and tell you what these five lords, what they mean. According to Strong's Bible Concordance, the name Philistines means wallowing or to wallow self. The dictionary says that the wallowing means roll about in or to give oneself over to or revel in a feeling or a way of life. Given into the flesh, given into self-pleasures, given into a way of life. So the five lords of the Philistines interprets our five different aspects of self-nature in regards to wallowing. And those are self-pity, self-depreciation, self-importance, self-indulgence, and self-pleasure. Do I need to say those again? Let me go back. Self-pity, self-depreciation. You don't know who we are. Self-importance. We think too much of ourselves. Self-indulgence and self-pleasure. You see, the Philistines, Philistines represent the greatest enemy called self. It does not mean now, stay with me. We're talking about reopening the wells. And we just said earlier it was the Philistines who plugged up the wells. You guys following so far? Philistines plugged up the wells. So as we go on, of all the enemies of Israel, the Philistines were the greatest, and and they were the ones who lasted the longest, battling against the people of God. This was not an easy battle then, and it isn't an easy battle now. The Philistines remained and would later become Israel's strongest and most bitter enemy during the reigns of King Saul and King David. So don't be surprised, even if you have been a Christian 20 or 30 years at the depth of the wallowing self that we may find ourselves in if left on check. I'll go this way. Do the Philistines remind you of a great man of God that we're often quick to talk about? 
You know, remember Samson? Everybody talks about Samson and how Samson got caught up at Delilah. And we, we criticize Samson. About, how could he do that? All that strength. How could he get caught up like he did? Don't be so quick to judge. See, 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 if you remember the same five lords that asked Delilah to lure Samson to fall are the same five lords of the Philistines in Judges 16.5. Do you remember it was the Philistines that captured the Ark of the Covenant? Remember that? Symbolic of the presence of the Ark is symbolic of the presence of God. And it was the Philistines, flesh, self, that captured the Ark of the Covenant in 1 Samuel 5.1. Do you remember that Goliath is also a Philistine, was also a Philistine, terrorizing the children of Israel? And it would only take the anointed one like David to defeat him. We can go on and on to mention all the activities of the Philistines against the children of God that are symbolic and prophetic to us today as Christians. Many of us today can no longer spend time in the presence of God today because our ark has been captured by the Philistines. Let me say that again. Many of us today can no longer spend time in the presence of God because our ark has been captured by the flesh, by self-indulgence, by the Philistines. You see, the Philistines are terrible, terrible, terrible to our Christian journey. And God is telling us to drive them out just like he told the children of Israel when they crossed over to drive out the Philistines and if you study history they never drove out the Philistines God is telling us to drive them out you see it's our responsibility by the help of the Holy Spirit in prayer to drive them out but just like the children of God back then We want to live amongst the Philistines. The sad thing is, we're okay with it. We're comfortable with it. We see no problem living next door and entertaining the Philistines. And so we wonder why the wells of our lives have been plugged up. It's the Philistines that we so dearly love and that we keep close to us. You see, no amount of prophesying, you can come up here and pray and fall out all you want to, but unless you drive out the Philistines, your wells will remain plugged Let that marinate for a while. Just let that marinate for a while. You see, God had greatly blessed Isaac because of his obedience. And because of this, the Philistines not only envied him, but they feared him. Let me ask you this question. 
the Philistines you have next door? Probably the ones you just went out with last night. Do they fear you or are they comfortable around you? That will let you know spiritual state. Blessed quietness. If they are comfortable around you, let me change that around. If you are comfortable around them, that really lets you know your spiritual state and why your wells have been plugged up. And see, we get mad with God. God, you're blessing them. You're blessed. And we come out, snot, fall out, whatever. We get prayer. We pass, call pastor, a pastor. But at the end of the day, it's not up to pastor. It's not up to God because he already did what he needed to do. He told us to drive Philistines out. So if you are not entering into your promised land, if your wells have been plugged up, check your self. And Bimelech said to Isaac, go from us for you are much mightier than we. So if the Philistines are comfortable with you being around them, they don't see your power. And the reason why they don't see your power because you don't have any power because your wells have been plugged up. So they're not fearful of you doing anything to their kingdom. But if you are a people who are constantly pushed aside and being called apart and being separated and people not really, they, they really can't be stand to be in your presence. They begin to talk about you a lot. You may be on the right road, depending on why they're talking about you. (laughs) Let me go a little bit deeper. Gerar is the land Abraham had dwelt in in Genesis 20, verse 1. While in Gerar, Abraham dug the wells to water his flock. These are the same wells that Isaac went back to reopen. When Isaac came to this land, the wells were filled with earth. All the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them up and filled them with earth. Genesis twenty-six eighteen, <clears throat> And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. You see, each of the wells had its own name. And those of you who are in Bible study, we, start, we were talking about names. They were named for a very specific reason. But let me, before I go there, the Philistines had filled Abraham's wells with earth. The earth represents the flesh. The Philistines had filled Abraham's wells with earth. The earth represents the flesh. 
As God said to Adam, Adam, wherefore art thou? You see, wells represents the life-giving word of God. But the Philistine church has filled the anointed life-giving word of God with their fleshly, carnal teachings, which only impart knowledge. As a result, the people of God have become carnal-minded, wrapped up in their flesh with one foot still in Egypt. We have become carnal-minded, wrapped up in our flesh with one foot still in Egypt. Living in sin and thinking that it's okay. Using the excuse that God knows my heart. Means absolutely nothing. Yeah, he knows your heart. But he knows what you practice. So enough is enough. God will not be mocked. Judgment is coming to the land and it must first come to the people of God. And it really doesn't take a Bible scholar to look out this window and really see what's going on in the world today. See, something very significant happened Friday. And I think most of us missed it. When you were watching the news on Friday, what was the one thing being played up the most? Yeah, see, but see, a lot of us got sidetracked with Obama speaking at the funeral. So much so that we might have missed what was slipped right up under our nose. The nation, through the Supreme Court, made a ruling that gay marriage is now legal nationwide. But here's the other thing we probably miss. How many people saw the pretty rainbow lights on the White House? But particularly on the White House. How many people just looked at the picture and said, oh, that's pretty. Pretty colors. You see, the rainbow represents a covenant. It's a covenant sign. Back in Noah's days, God made a covenant with man represented by the rainbow, that he will never destroy the earth with water again. That rainbow was painted on the White House to represent the covenant that this nation just made with the devil. And see, a lot of us miss that. We missed it. We saw the pretty lights and it's a rainbow. But we missed it. 
So because the nation has made that covenant and they spent time to make sure you know that I know that they just made that covenant, judgment has begun. And I'm not trying to instill no fear. No, I'm just speaking the word. Because, see, the sons of God, we, we, we should know the times. We should really know the times. I mean, if the weather alone didn't get your attention with all the earthquakes and things going on, that rainbow in the White House should have. Peter revealed to us that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Jesus has offered this living water to his church for two days. Remember a year ago in Bible study, we talked about day of the Lord, the third day that we are now transitioning into the third day. See, we are about to be at the end of the age. God has given us his word that we may know the way. He has given us the wells of Abraham and we can choose which well we should drink from. But see, our wells have been stopped up. So you can't draw a drink if you wanted to until you drive out the Philistines. We can choose the well of Esek, where the herdsmen, the shepherds are striving together. Or we can drink at the well of Sitna, where there's envy, strife, and contention, no sincerity. Or we can move on to the well of Rehoboth, where we enter into the broad place with God and can be made free from the law of sin and death into the perfect law of liberty. And see, some are okay with that and, and willing to settle there. They believe that they have arrived, but there is another well that we need to drink from. And that is the well at Beersheba, where we enter into a covenant relationship with our God. This covenant relationship brings us into a known relationship with him. But that causes, that would cause us to have to separate ourselves are you willing to separate yourselves Jacob's well is where we receive the promise of eternal life this is a well that will spring up in us unto everlasting life when we have this well of of, of water springing in us then we can return to the place of our beginning that is the well of Leheroi the well of the vision of life for the church. You see, the son, Jesus, desires to get the earth, the flesh, out of the wells of his father. Jesus told a Samaritan woman that if she drank of the natural water, she would thirst again. But if she partook of the spiritual water of Jesus that he was offering to her, she would never, ever thirst again. The spiritual water ministered by the spirit of truth will quench our thirst for God. This spiritual thirst is resident in every one of God's created beings. We have that thirst, that longing for God. We can choose the well we desire to drink from, but God desire 
is that we dwell by the well of Lehoroi, the well of the vision of life, where the water of everlasting life is springing up. We need to draw deep from the water of the word of life. So choose ye this day whom you will serve.